your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 306 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you will get 20% off of your next order. And today, obviously, we're going to talk about everything that happened over the weekend. Of course, the Rangers defeat the Devils. They lose to the Penguins on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. The nice thing here is that the Rangers did what we were talking about on this podcast. They took care of business during that three-game stretch where they played one game against Buffalo and two games against the New Jersey Devils. We talked on here, absolute bare minimum. Got to come away with four points in those three games. More like five or six would be ideal. And of course, the Rangers, they do exactly that. They win all three games in regulation. They get the maximum six points, and they kind of start to claw their way back into this playoff uh, chase here. Unfortunately, on Sunday, uh, the Rangers, you know, they get off to a really nice start, and then the Penguins had that stretch of 101 in the first period there where they turn a one nothing deficit into a 3-1 to lead, and the Rangers just couldn't get back into the game. I mean, I don't think it was a terrible effort by any stretch of the imagination by the Rangers on Sunday. They just couldn't quite find that gear that they started at uh, the first 12, 13, 14 minutes there when they came out and they were just flying, uh, getting the early goal from Mika Zibanejad and just creating a ton of scoring chances beyond that. But I wanted to start today uh, by paying respects to a couple in the uh, hockey family, if you will, that we've lost, that being Mark Pavlich and Walter Gretzky. And we'll start with Pavlich here. Pavlich spent five seasons with the Rangers from 1981, 1982 to 1985, 1986, and was also part of the 1980 Olympic team that won the gold medal. And Pavlich actually picked up the assist on the game-winning goal in the Miracle on Ice game against Russia. So obviously you guys know that he indeed won the gold medal that year. And in those seven Olympic games with the United States in 1980, Pavlich scored a goal, picked up six assists. So he got seven points in the seven games that the U.S. played. So he obviously played a huge role for that team. Who's to say for sure that they even win the gold medal without him? I mean, that might sound like a little bit of a stretch, but you take away a guy that had a goal and six assists, that's a pretty big loss for Team U.S. there. I uh, wasn't always the biggest guy on the ice. In fact, he was just five foot eight and 170 pounds, but was known for his speed and his playmaking ability. In addition to the five seasons that he played with the Rangers, he also played one season with the Minnesota North Stars in 1986-1987. He was out of the NHL for a little while after that, and he ended up playing two final games for the San Jose Sharks at the end of his career in 1991-1992. But his career totals in the NHL skated in 355 games, scored 137 goals, dished out 192 assists, so a total of 329 points in his 355 games. Uh, Not the longest career, but obviously he was a good player when he was in the NHL, very productive. And in an additional 23 Stanley Cup playoff games, which all came with the Rangers, Pavlich scored seven goals and had an additional 17 assists. So 24 points in 23 career Stanley Cup playoff games. Uh, Obviously uh, just a solid player for the Rangers, uh, even though his career might have been a little bit shorter than some others. Among his career highlights, I mean, we got to mention this. On February 23rd, 1983, Pavlich actually became the first American to ever score five goals in a single game. He accomplished that feat against the Hartford Whalers at Madison Square Garden, and he is still the only American to ever score five goals in one NHL game. And just to talk a little bit about his career away from the ice, there are a little bit of sad things in here. Uh, For starters, uh, him and his first wife had one daughter. They got divorced. He remarried, and his second wife actually passed away tragically back in 2012. 
She accidentally fell from a second-store balcony at their home in Lutzen, Minnesota on September 6, 2012. So that's obviously just a tragedy. And then this, I mean, this pales in comparison to what I just mentioned, but I thought this was kind of sad as well. In April 2014, Pavlich actually put his Olympic gold medal up for auction. Uh, he started the bidding at $62,500, and it ended up selling in May of 2014 for $262,900. And on one hand, I mean, listen, it's his gold medal. Do what you got to do. If you feel like, uh, you know, you can get a good amount of money for this gold medal, then it's, you're well within your right to do it. To me, it's just kind of sad because, uh, you know, I mean, people just revere that U.S. Olympic gold medal team, and rightfully so. And he was a big-time contributing member of that team. So to me, to have to sell that medal is just kind of sad. But at the same time, you know, he's well within his right to do that. It's up to him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just a little bit sad that, that he would have to – you know, feel like he needs to sell his gold medal for one reason or the other. And then we do also have to mention his arrest in August of 2019. Uh, he was charged with four felonies, uh, second and third degree assault, possession of a short-barreled shotgun, and possession of a firearm with a missing or altered serial number. Basically, uh, he was out fishing with his neighbor, and he allegedly assaulted him and seriously injured him. And the judge actually ruled that Pavelich was unfit to stand trial and stated that he lacks the ability to rationally consult with counsel, is incapable of understanding the proceedings, and is incapable of participating in the defense due to mental illness or deficiency. So as a result of all this, he was committed to a treatment facility, and he actually passed away in the residential treatment center in Salk Center, Minnesota. His sister apparently believes that Pavelich was suffering from CTE, uh, she had noticed behavioral changes in the years leading up to the arrest in 2019. And, you know, I'm no doctor. I've made that clear on here many times. But, I mean, you hear about something like this. I mean, it seems completely out of character because, to my knowledge, it doesn't seem like he'd ever been in any kind of trouble with the law prior to two years ago. And the next thing you know, uh, you know, he assaults his neighbor, has four felony counts against him. Uh, just very, very strange. So, uh, you know, CTE definitely sounds like a possibility. I don't know that that's been proven one way or the other. But... Either way, he was obviously a great ranger during the time that he spent there, and I always like to reference this 2009 book. It's called 100 Ranger Greats, and in that book, the authors ranked Pavelich as the number 83 greatest New York Ranger that had ever played with the team during its first 82 seasons. So, obviously, Mark Pavelich, like we said, he only spent five years with the Rangers, only a total of, I guess we could say, seven seasons in the NHL, although that seventh and final season only lasted two games. The Sharks were actually an expansion team that year, and they talked Pavelich out of retirement, but he only played two games before he decided that he he indeed wanted to stay retired. He did pick up an assist in those two games. So he wasn't in the NHL for that long, but a very productive, very steady player, mostly for the Rangers throughout his NHL tenure. And uh, may he rest in peace, uh, gone too soon at the age of just 63. We've also got to talk about the passing of Walter Gretzky. He was 82 years old, and as you guys are all probably well aware, Wayne closed his career as a member of the New York Rangers, played his last three seasons in New York. Walter Gretzky actually built a backyard rink for his children. I would go ahead and say that the investment was worth it. He had five kids, four boys and one girl, obviously was the father of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Walter Gretzky, though, was actually a track star in high school, also played hockey. He wanted to play in the NHL, but was basically told he was too small because he was only five foot nine, 140 pounds. One thing that really stood out about Walter Gretzky to me is apparently he had a near-fatal brain aneurysm all the way back in 1991. He was just 53 at the time, and lo and behold, he ends up living an extra 30 years after that. He also wrote two books. The first one was called Gretzky, From Backyard Rink to the Stanley Cup. 
He wrote that one in 1985. And the second one he wrote in 2001 called On Family, Hockey, and Healing. And with Walter Gretzky, I mean, listen, he's always going to be known first and foremost as Wayne Gretzky's dad, and understandably so. You know, that's what happens when your son is the greatest hockey player of all time. But Walter Gretzky definitely has an interesting story of his own. And honestly, there's so many great books out there. I really wouldn't mind getting a copy of either or both of Walter's books. I'm sure there's some great stories in there, but obviously may he rest in peace as well. I know he was 82 years old, but you know, it really doesn't make it any less sad whenever, uh, whenever somebody leaves us. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Selection Sunday is a week away, and there will be a number of ACC teams left out of the tournament. What went wrong in the ACC this season? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, talk about these games over the weekend. Like we said, a win against New Jersey, a loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and one general thought that I want to just kind of throw out there, and I don't really have the stats to back this up. It's just kind of a trend that I've noticed, uh, especially over the weekend, but really uh, pretty much throughout the entire season. I'm not saying it happens every single game after every single goal, but the trend is this, and that is that after a goal, whether the Rangers score or whether the opposition scores, it seems like the Rangers don't necessarily have their best shift immediately following the goal. And again, I don't have the numbers to back this up right now. It's just kind of a casual observation, but we saw it over the weekend, right? We saw it against the Devils. Uh, the Rangers are up 2 to nothing early in that game. The Devils get one back on a goal by P.K. Subban. That makes it 2-1. to one. And then just... 17 seconds later, the Devils score again, and Maltsev gets the equalizer pretty late in the first period there. That tied the game at two. Now, the Rangers, I love their response to this because they got a goal by Kevin Rooney near the end of the first period. That put them back on top. 3-2 to two at that point. They eventually build the lead up to 5-2. to two. Devils knock it down to 5-3. to three. And then, of course, Ryan Strom with the empty netter for the 6-3 win. But the Rangers basically got away with it that night, right? And look, they played a great game. If you take away that unfortunate 17-second stretch there, this was just utter domination by the Rangers. For the most part, this game was utter, utter domination by the Rangers, even if you do include that 17-second stretch there. Everybody getting on the score sheet. It was a great win for the Rangers. But unfortunate to see the Devils score and then score again 17 seconds later. That's not the kind of shift you won, obviously after a goal is scored. And then the same thing happened against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it happened in an even worse fashion because the Penguins scored three goals in the span of just a minute and one second. And so while the Rangers got away with it against a lesser team like the Devils, you're probably not going to get away with giving up three goals in a minute and one second to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And indeed they did not. Turns out to be a 5-1 to loss for the Rangers. I think the final score is a little bit misleading. I think the game was definitely closer than 5-1 to one would indicate. But again, you give up three goals in a minute and one second, uh, you're not going to live to tell about it very often. And so uh, definitely going to have to do a little bit better on shifts after goals. I mean, that obviously reared its ugly head in a big way over the weekend. But I think for the most part this season, that's been, I don't want to say like a major issue, but it's been something of an issue where, again, they just don't have their best shift after somebody scores a goal. And there's been a couple times where, you know, maybe they do give up a goal. There's been a couple times where maybe the goalie bails them out. But I'd like to see a little bit more consistency after a goal is scored from this New York Ranger team. And maybe you go to, uh, you know, the fourth line, the, the hardworking line, whether it's some combination of Howden and Lemieux, maybe Philip DiGiuseppe is out there, maybe Colin Blackwell is out there, uh, whoever it might be. But go with kind of the checking line, the hard nose line, maybe the Kevin Rooney line. You know, you put Kevin Rooney, Philip Heedle, and Julian Gauthier out there. I'd like to see just uh, maybe the Rangers come up with sort of a go-to line. Okay, this is the line we're going to go to after our goal is scored. Now, of course, if the top line 
is looking really dangerous on every single shift, and they're the team that just scored the goal, then maybe you go with them. But in general, I would just like to see the Rangers come up with some kind of way, whether it's just uh, playing with a little bit more urgency after a goal is scored, or again, just a go-to line. Something has to change. they got to be a little bit better on the shift immediately following a goal going forward. But we do have to talk about some of the positives from this game against the Devils. Obviously, the Rangers had a really nice night, and cliche or not, this was a total team victory here tonight. Uh, I think one of my favorite stats from this game is the simple fact that 11 different Rangers got onto the score sheet, and I'll just run right through the names really quick. First of all, the guys with multi-point nights, you had Ryan Strom, he scored two goals, one was an empty netter, but hey, they all count, and he's played very well recently. Julian Gauthier, two assists, uh, he's played better, making case to stick in the lineup, even maybe when everybody's healthy, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, we're also going to talk about in a little while how the Rangers can kind of uh, work the lineup night in and night out, some solutions to, you know, who should be in the lineup, who should be a healthy scratch. I'm going to throw out some ideas about that in just a second, but sticking with this uh, theme here of uh, calling out all of the Rangers who got in the score sheet against the Devils, Philip Hedl, he had a goal and an assist. Adam Fox had a goal and an assist, and then several other players had one point, including Kevin Rooney, Chris Kreider, Capo Caco, Pavel Buchnevich, Liber Hayek, Keandre Miller, and Alex Georgiev. Georgiev actually got the primary assist on the first goal of the game because he moved the puck to Adam Fox, and Adam Fox just went coast to coast. I mean, show me a better—I I keep saying show me a better young defenseman in this league. I'm getting pretty close to just saying show me a better defenseman in this league when you look at all-around game. That might be a, a slight exaggeration, but I don't think it's much of one. Adam Fox is really uh, ready to join the NHL elite here. And I say this as a huge fan of Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi. Adam Fox, if he's not there yet, I think very soon he will be the best defenseman that the New York Rangers have had since Brian Leach when you just look at all-around game. And I know that that's uh, high praise and setting the bar really high, but I think he's that good. And, and again, somebody who was a huge fan of both Dan Girardi and Ryan McDonough, they were phenomenal defensemen for the Rangers for a long time. But when you look at the total package and somebody who can chip in offensively and just do a great job in his own end as well, uh, show me a better defenseman in this league than Adam Fox right now. It was obviously great to see Capo Caco back in the lineup. He had missed the last handful of games due to being on the COVID protocol list. Unfortunately for the Rangers, and granted, this is a good problem to have, but it creates a situation where they now have 13 forwards who are all very worthy of being in the lineup in a night-in and night-out basis. And, you know, again, it is a good problem to have, but it's tough because now you have to scratch somebody who deserves to be out in the lineup. And on Saturday, it was Philip Giuseppe who was the healthy scratch. On Sunday, it was Colin Blackwell. And we'll see how they look to juggle the lineup going forward. But my suggestion here is you go with a little bit of a rotation from some of the bottom six forwards. You've got, again, you've got 13 guys who deserve to be in the lineup. You can only dress 12, assuming you're going to go with 12 forwards. And I think that's a pretty safe assumption. But I think what you can do here, we've already seen Philip DiGiuseppe and Colin Blackwell be healthy scratches again on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. Maybe in the next game. Brett Howden is a healthy scratch. And I know he's been really good on the penalty kill. I know the penalty kill has been absolutely phenomenal for the Rangers so far this season. And obviously, Brett Howden is a big part of that. Uh, but I don't think it's uh, a complete tragedy if Brett Howden has to be a healthy scratch for one game. And then maybe the game after that, you sit Julian Gauthier. And I say this as a big fan of Julian Gauthier. I think he's played very well recently, starting to contribute offensively a little bit, starting to find his game at the NHL level, it would seem. I mean, if you go over the last, I don't know, maybe like five games or so, I think this is the best NHL hockey that Julian Gauthier has ever played. But maybe he's a healthy scratch on a certain night. Maybe the game after that, Brian Lemieux. You know, we've seen Brian Lemieux be a healthy scratch in the past. I like having Lemieux out there. I think he's a tone setter. I like the way he stands up for his teammates. But is he above being a healthy scratch for this team? Probably not. So, you know, again, this is just a nice way to make it so that basically between Philip DiGiuseppe, Colin Blackwell, Brett Howden, Julian Gauthier, Brian Lemieux, 
all five of those guys are playing 80% of the time, basically. And I'm not saying you have to do like a literal rotation where you go in that exact order one game after the next. You know, maybe if you're in a situation where you think you're going to need a little bit more offense, then maybe you make sure that Colin Blackwell is out there on the ice and not the healthy scratch. And maybe you make sure that uh, Julian Gauthier is out there as well. Maybe if you're in a game where you expect some nastiness, you know, maybe you're playing the Boston Bruins. Obviously, those games have been very chippy so far this season. Maybe in a situation like that, you make sure that Brandon Lemieux is out there. And to a lesser extent, Philip DiGiuseppe. I don't think Philip DiGiuseppe is necessarily going to drop the gloves and fight. We haven't seen him do a ton of that, but he's obviously a big, tough, physical player who's going to go in hard in the forecheck, establish a little bit of a tone. So I think you'd want both those guys out there in a game like that. And maybe if you're up against a team that has a lethal power play, they're just really dangerous on the main advantage. They draw a lot of penalties. They get a lot of power play opportunities. Then maybe Brett Howden, you make sure that he's out there uh, in the lineup on a night like that. So you can mix and match it a little bit, but I'd like the idea. I don't want to see somebody like Philip DiGiuseppe or Colin Blackwell have to be a healthy scratch for three or four or five consecutive games. They've both played better than that, and neither one of them would be deserving of basically just being benched for a long stretch of time. So I like the idea of a rotation. And then obviously when Artemi Panarin comes back, it's going to get even more complicated because you're going to have 14 forwards who deserve to be out there and only 12 spots. So again, you'd have to get even more creative at that point, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And obviously we keep our fingers crossed that Artemi Panarin is back sooner rather than later, because if you remember, he requested a two-week leave of absence. And today, Monday, the, what is it? March 6th? Monday, March 8th. This is actually the 14th day of the two-week leave of absence. Now, I don't know how literal they took it. I don't know if that means that he's going to be back on Tuesday for the Rangers game against the Penguins. The Rangers could obviously use him. They have won six out of nine games and done a lot of that without Artemi Panarin. But be that as it may, he's one of the best players in the world. Get him back on the ice as soon as possible, please. We'll keep our fingers crossed that he can get back out there. I know he's obviously dealing with a lot in his personal life at this moment. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's back sooner rather than later with this team. And to be honest, you know, we just talked about the forwards and how there's 13 guys for 12 spots, and pretty soon there's going to be 14 guys for 12 spots. If you look at the Ranger defensemen, it's basically the same situation because right now you could say that eight guys are deserving of being out there. Uh, you've got Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Jacob Truba, Keandre Miller. I think right now those four guys are basically locks to be out there every single night. I mean, the first three for sure, and I think Keandre Miller is, is getting pretty close to being a lock to be in the lineup every single night. But beyond that, you've also got Liber Hayek. He's played well. He got his first goal of the season against the Devils. That was awesome because he scores a goal from the blue line, shoots it through traffic. His teammates were so happy for him. He went over to the bench. Everybody was just kind of mobbing him. That was a really cool moment. And Hayek's really played well, uh, looking like he's really grown by leaps and bounds since last season when he was really up and down, just looks a lot more comfortable at the NHL level. But he's in the mix for playing time. And I think, you know, if everybody I'm about to mention, his spot is probably the most secure because you look at Liber Hayek, he's somebody that the Rangers want to be a big time part of this team going forward. You can't really say the same thing for Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson or Anthony Boteto, uh, but I think all three of those guys have played fairly well recently. Obviously, boteto has been scratched in recent games, but Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson, I think, have both played fairly well recently. And with Jack Johnson... You know, I know that wasn't the most inspiring free agent signing, but he's played very physical when he's been out there recently. Of course, he was a healthy scratch in this most recent game on Sunday against the Penguins because Jacob Truba was making his way back to the lineup. So somebody had to come out of the lineup. It ends up being Jack Johnson. But I think with Johnson, sometimes the less you notice him, the better. I think early in the season, he was kind of jumping off the screen and not usually for good reasons. But he settled down a little bit. I think he's played decent hockey overall and played physical. And Brandon Smith, I think, has really played well recently. And I think it's entirely possible and possibly even likely that Brandon Smith and Jack Johnson will not be back with the Rangers next season. Their contracts will both expire at the end of this season. 
And it's even possible that one or both of them could be moved at the trade deadline. You know, you move one of them for a draft pick and you open up a spot for a young defenseman in the pipeline. But you got to give credit where it's due. They've both played well recently. And as for Batetto, I mean, he might have a hard time getting back on the ice because everybody ahead of him is playing very well. But again, you've got eight defensemen that I think have all played fairly well, at least recently. You can only make room for six of them. So that's an interesting situation, too. I think you could see a little bit of a rotation between Smith and Johnson. But I get the feeling, you know, again, those top four, Fox, Lindgren, Truba, Miller, they're all going to be out there. And I think Liber Hayek, again, his spot seems fairly secure if he keeps playing the way that he's playing because they want to get him NHL experience and they want to make him a big part of this team going forward. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20, and you will get 20% off of your next order. That is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Get the upper hand in your fantasy hockey league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As far as an update on Igor Shesterkin, there's nothing really all that new thus far today, but I suppose since the last time we talked on Friday, we have now learned that Igor Shesterkin is just going to be day-to-day, so it sounds like the Rangers really dodged the bullet there. Obviously, he went down on just a fluky play against the Devils, the first of two games against the Devils uh, last week, uh, just obviously in a lot of pain, could not put any weight on his right leg and had to be helped off the ice, was grimacing, clearly in a lot of pain, looked like he was just in pure agony leaving the ice, but it looks like now that he is just day-to-day and that the Rangers should have him back in relatively short order. I have not seen an update as far as whether he'll be available for Tuesday night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. If he is, then maybe he's right back out there. If he's not available to, you know, start the game, then maybe he backs up either uh, Kincaid or probably more likely Georgiev. But if Igor Shesterkin is not able to suit up on Tuesday night, it also raises an interesting debate bait, would the Rangers go to Alex Georgiev, go right back to him for his third consecutive start and his third game in four days? Or do you go to Keith Kincaid, who was very, very good in uh, relief duty against the Penguins last night? 
And going into the weekend, I talked about how we might see Keith Kincaid sooner than we think. There could be a situation where they start Alex Georgiev on Saturday and then go to Keith Kincaid on Sunday just because maybe you don't want to have a situation where Alex Georgiev is starting three out of four days and you don't want to have him play both ends of the back-to-back. And it might just be nice to get Keith Kincaid in there and get him some work, especially if the team fears that Igor Shesterkin is going to be out for an extended time. Sooner or later, you know, if Igor was going to be out for a couple of weeks, sooner or later, the Rangers were going to have to turn to Keith Kincaid by necessity. So, you know, I, I was kind of torn on it. I think I was leaning slightly toward going with Georgiev in both games of the back-to-back just because Georgiev's been here. He's a known commodity. He's played well recently. And Keith Kincaid, you know, he hasn't played any hockey in the NHL, at least, since 2019. So I was slightly leaning toward going with Georgiev for both games of the back-to-back. I'm not going to come on here and do revisionist history, but in hindsight, hindsight's always 2020. Uh, Alex Georgiev obviously really, really struggled against the Penguins. Like we said, the Rangers gave up three goals in a span of just one minute and one second, and Georgiev didn't exactly get a ton of help. He faced a couple of breakaways in that uh, time period there, that minute and one second, and he let in two goals on the two breakaways that he faced. And we've talked about this, but that continues to be Alex Georgiev's Achilles heel. He just cannot seem to come up with a save on a breakaway. But more than just not being able to uh, you know, make a save on a breakaway, there's just too often where it doesn't look like he's going to make the save on a breakaway. There was this weird thing where he just kind of seems to fall forward uh, when somebody's coming in on a break. Kapanen and Crosby both scored on breakaways. They both score uh, pretty easily, it seemed, on the on the breakaway against Georgiev. Georgiev is pulled after the Crosby goal. And really, the first goal that the Penguins scored here in this game was by Marino. And this was not exactly from prime scoring real estate. He was almost along the boards on the right side there. I mean, he was in the right faceoff circle, but not by a whole lot and just kind of let it fly. And he beat Georgiev to the far side. Now, Georgiev, it certainly looked like he may have been screened by the Penguin in front of the net. But I think it's fair game if you look at all three of these goals that Georgiev allowed here. All three of them probably preventable. Not saying any of them were easy saves. Not saying we should run Alex Georgiev out of town for letting these goals go in or anything like that, but you'd like to think that he could at least stop, you know, at least maybe one or two of them. You know, that would be ideal, and if that happens, you know, maybe he stays in the game. Maybe the Rangers get this win. It's hard to say for sure. The third period, obviously, the Rangers have to take some chances at that point. The Penguins run up the score, and it's 5-1, to one. and in fact, the fourth goal that the Penguins scored was due to a sloppy line change by the Rangers, but Keith Kincaid was fantastic in relief in this game. He stopped 16 of 18 shots, and even the goals he let in, I mean, the first one, I don't think any goalie is going to stop that. It was basically just a beautiful pass from Kapanen to Malkin, and then the second one was kind of just a fluky goal. Aston Reese had the puck behind the net and just kind of played it off his pads, and it went in. Uh, that was right after Aston Reese had batted the puck out of the air. Just a strange goal there late in the game, kind of in garbage time. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, do you go back to Keith Kincaid and give him a start on Tuesday, recognizing that he was obviously uh, playing very well in this game, or do you go back to Georgiev thinking that, you know, Kincaid is only going to be dressed for so much longer, Shesterkin's going to be back in short order, there's no reason to mess with Georgiev's confidence. It's an interesting debate, and I suppose something else that can't be ruled out, maybe Igor Shesterkin comes back in this game. Maybe he's ready to go on Tuesday night. We'll obviously keep our eye on that. I think in a perfect world, Igor's ready, and he's cleared, and he gets back out there and uh, shuts down the Penguins, because the Rangers really need to pick up a win against the Penguins. If you guys have been keeping track this season, you'll know that the Rangers are now 1-2-2 two, and two against the Penguins. And Pittsburgh is obviously one of the teams that the Rangers are trying to track down for a playoff spot. If the Rangers end up missing the playoffs by, you know, a point, two points, three points, we're going to look right at this Pittsburgh Penguins series, especially if the Penguins get in and say, you know, that's, that's the difference right there. You know, we just could not uh, get a win against this team. Obviously, there are still three matchups against the Penguins to go this season, including Tuesday night's 6 p.m. game. But obviously, the Rangers not off to an ideal start against one of their biggest rivals this year. And here's a stat that I'm going to throw at you that will probably blow your mind. So 
The Rangers, something that's been an issue for them against the Penguins this year is not being able to hang on to a lead. And they've played five games against the Penguins this season. Guess how many games the Rangers have held the lead in against the Penguins out of those five games? I'll give you a second. You ready? Okay, so not once, not twice, not three times, not four times. They have had the lead in all five games against the Penguins this season, and they have all of one win to show for it. Now, granted, in yesterday's game, it's about as precarious of a lead as you can have, right? Because the Rangers got up one to nothing on an early goal by Mika Zibanejad. Obviously, great to see him break through, give the Rangers an early lead, uh, score on a two-on-one break. He had a chance to maybe pass to Lafreniere, but he chose to shoot it instead, and it was the right decision because he basically uh, just scored short side around Casey DeSmith there and put the Rangers up one nothing. He had a couple of other chances later in this game. Just a couple minutes later, he had a chance to make it 2 to nothing. had an opportunity in front of the Penguins' net, couldn't quite convert on that one, and then later in the game, when the Rangers were down 3-1, I believe it was Buchnevich passed across the ice to Mika Zibanejad, and Zibanejad put it off the post. I mean, he had Casey DeSmith dead to rights on this play, so unfortunate that he couldn't convert there, but nice to see Mika Zibanejad moving in the right direction, but you gotta figure... You know, if the Rangers, if they're going to try to make a move and try to finish in that top four, the Penguins are one of those teams that they're going to be neck and neck with right there at the very end of the season. So got to find a way to do a little bit better against this team. And let's hope that it starts Tuesday night uh, in Pittsburgh. Hopefully the Rangers can get a win there. And just remember, guys, it is a 6 p.m. start. So uh, I know the routine is usually catching the Rangers at 7 p.m. They're going to be starting at 6 that night. There's your reminder. I'll remind you again in tomorrow's episode. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.